Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Terrorism and its disguises. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. Um, I have gathered here today <laughs> three uh, news stories that have in common the fact that um, it relates to terrorist terrorism and disguises. So the first story is about the military self-identifying in a way as trans. Um, I'm not saying that the military are terrorists, but the fact that they used this uh, trans person as a recruiting tactic uh, is part of what's resulting in fewer recruits to the military to fight against terrorists. So that's how that comes together. Then the second story is a story about a terrorist who, um, a radical Islamist terrorist, who self-identified as a Christian and went on a stabbing attack in France. The third story is about a, an ISIS bride who self-identified as a fashion blogger now. So let's start with let's start with the first one. They are uh, it's important to it's important to see things for how they really are. Um, you know that is part of the story. Um, terrorism when things aren't how they seem. So all right, let's start with the military. You may have heard this, although it really hasn't gotten a lot of attention, a lot of publicity. It's kind of been <laughs> kind of been hidden because the um, the Navy realized that they made a big mistake. So the story um, part of the story is that a Navy SEAL named Robert O'Neill, who is a decorated combat veteran. He served for eight years as a, meter, as a member of SEAL Team 6, which is the team that took down Osama bin Laden. Now, he is saying, I can't believe I fought for this bullshit. Um, he's not very happy that the Navy is, has used um, a drag queen to recruit uh, people into it. So... Robert O'Neill, um, this, and he um, he said, all right, the U.S. Navy is now using an enlisted sailor drag queen as a recruiter. I'm done. China is going to destroy us. Um, the story is, or the, no, it's, not, it's not a fake story, the truth, the hard, the hard to believe truth is that um, the Navy... Um, you know, is, well, all the military, I'll tell you just how much, but the various branches of the military are in trouble in terms of recruitment. And that is not a coincidence when they have been um, promoting a woke agenda. And of course, this is all part of it. Um, promoting a woke agenda, which is not doing very well in terms of getting people to uh, become interested in joining the military. Now, if you think about it, a drag queen, um, and the drag queen in particular that they used was um, Yeoman Second Class Joshua Kelly, a drag um, goes by the name Harpy Daniels. 
Now, she has a lot of um, and and they decided to use her to reach a population who they don't wouldn't miss on TikTok, people who are her fans. But it's the exact opposite. If you think about it, I mean, do you really have to be a psychiatrist like I am to figure out that people who are thinking of joining the military would be people who um, are proud of their courage, want to feel, you know, proud of, of um, protecting the country, um, proud of their strength, uh, proud of being willing to go under fire to protect the country, and so on and so forth. Not exactly the image that a drag queen portrays. So who is, whoever is figuring out this, uh, these recruitment plans really don't know what they're doing. Um, so, okay, so they, they, Harpy Daniels, she actually um, used to, or maybe still does, uh, entertain on the ships. And um, she, so she announced on TikTok in November that she would be the Navy's first digital ambassador. Um, she, her, she, her journey, she talks about her journey and it went from performing on board beginning in 2018 and then went on to become an advocate for those who were oppressed for years in the service. In other words, for um, gay and LGBTQ people plus people um, who she feels were oppressed for years in the service. Um, now, this was a pilot project. It ended in March 2023 um, when they realized that it really wasn't uh, doing very well. And um, uh, it went from October 2022 to March 2023. It was designed to explore the digital environment to reach a wide range of potential candidates. Um, then, so this liberated Navy SEAL tweeted about this, how outraged he was. And lots of people chimed in and agreed with him. For example, well, first of all, he gained 1.1 million views and thousands of likes and retweets. And so some people said, quote, as a Navy veteran, I am ashamed on behalf of the US Navy. I hope that goes over as well as Bud Light did. Somebody else uh, tweeted in response, this is beyond disturbing. I'm a former military officer and I just can't believe what our brass is doing. Another one tweeted, an insult to every veteran and their families. My dad just rolled over in his grave at Arlington. I'm so glad he didn't have to see this happen. Then there were others who disagreed with the Navy SEAL. Um, the, the, um, you know, many of the people compared um, the drag queen to Dylan Mulvaney, who was the trans activist that Bud Light used to advertise uh, on their cans or in their in their advertising campaign. And of course that resulted in a PR crisis for their brand and a lot of lost money. Now it's one thing, you know, if, uh, to be if they lost money or not. Um, I think it was, that's another example though of really um, an out of touch PR team to think that this would work because similarly, Bud Light, you know, is is associated with macho and and um, you know, not not um, the kind not the kind of people who would be thrilled that Dylan Mulvaney was part of the advertising. Um, now, uh, but the difference is, you know, the difference between a beer can and recruitment for the military is huge. Because, um, you know, this is a company losing money. I mean, you know, I'm sorry and all that, but they kind of deserve deserve it if they have a stupid, uh, such a stupid advertising campaign. But um, but when it has to do with the military, that's a lot more important. And the fact that there should be smarter people um, controlling the campaigns of the military is important, more important than a beer. So now listen to how um, the shortfall of the military, it is really very concerning. The Navy uh, has has a shortfall of members. In other words, they had wanted to recruit at least 6,000 more people and they haven't. The Army 
is off by 10,000 and the Air Force is off by 3,400. So, um, so, you know, so how this relates to terrorism is that um, with this shortfall in the military, all three branches of the military, we are in more danger of attack from China, from Russia, from, you know, all our enemies, including terrorists. So I think um, I wanted everybody to know about this because this is a big concern. And it isn't that, you know, it's not that um, I am certainly not against gays or lesbians or, you know, LGBTQ in, in general. It's not about that. It's about um, using this kind of activism in the wrong way. Um, you know, like trying to thinking that this is going to recruit people into the military. You know, it's it's so difficult to talk about these kinds of things because um, you get you get uh, thought of as someone who's a racist or is prejudiced or you know against LGBTQ plus. Um, I am I am uh, against the what's happening to our kids as far as um, kids being giving propaganda and being transitioned into trans and so on without parents being involved in all that, but that's a whole different story. But it, you know, if to talk about this, to talk about the military um, doing the wrong thing in terms of their, uh, their recruiting campaigns is not about having prejudice to LGBTQ plus. So, all right, I'm going to leave that there. And um, I'm going to now talk about the second uh, story, the second news item, which is about um, this this tragic event in France. France is being, well, all of Europe, but especially France, is being overrun by, by migrants. And there are um, so many attacks in all of these countries, France especially, um, Germany and the UK. And it is like every day there are things happening, stabbings, um, uh, you know, just defacing of monuments and things, just all kinds of, of attacks of, of various natures. And um, on June 8th, there was an attack in a playground um, in a southern in eastern southern eastern town of Annecy, which is a tourist hotspot, and it's like the the sweetest uh, place, you know, the calmest place. It has a lake, and the playground was near this lake, and you know, it's the most tranquil place um, that you would want to see, and that's why there are a lot of tourists there and so on. But it's not, it's not. I mean, it's a tourist hotspot, but it's not not in the sense that it's, um, you know that it's it, it, the serenity is not spoiled um, until <laughs> June 8th of this year when a man, asylum seeker, went on a stabbing spree. Now, why am I, since this is happening all the time in, in um, Europe, and, and the reason why, you know, I, I need to start talking more about some of these events that are happening because you do not hear about them in the mainstream media in America. And the reason why it's important to hear about them is because this is what is, we are on the verge, America, the West, well, Europe is the West, but America is on the verge of um, the same things happening here that have been happening for years now in Western Europe. And so we do need to be alert, especially with our border. You know, it's both the Southern border and the Northern border there are documented, it has been documented by American um, border patrols that um, people who are coming across, I mean, not only is there an outrageous number of people who are coming across, but people who are coming across are on terror lists, terror watch lists. So the fact that we will soon be, I don't know how long soon is, a year, 
three years, five years. I don't think it would be, it's going to be more than five years. I would be surprised if it was because um, in addition to the borders being uh, open, open basically, um, we also have imported, the Biden White House has imported um, 80,000 plus Afghans when he um, surrendered in Afghanistan. Now these, a lot of these Afghans are people who helped Americans, but certainly because they really weren't vetted at the time that they joined uh, the planes that were coming to America. You know, there are people in that group um, who did not, who were not helpful to Americans and who will, um, who are likely sympathizers, let's put it that way, likely sympathizers to ISIS um, or well, to Taliban, ISIS, Al Qaeda, terrorist uh, philosophies. So um, these stories of these things that are happening in Europe are horrendous, um, and we need to be aware of them because uh, because it's not it's not a matter of oh you know that's too bad I like going to France <laughs> or I like going to London or I like going to Germany you know it's too bad that those places have become dangerous now uh, it's not just about that it's about you know realizing that we need to do something to make sure that this doesn't happen in America so um, this story uh, uh, this stabbing spree in the southeast of France in this um, serene small town. Uh, the reason why it is particularly newsworthy is because um, the, the authorities and the media are still saying that, uh, still not acknowledging that this was a terror attack. So for example, a uh, the question is, did a Christian, oh, I left out them. Instead of saying, screaming, Allahu Akbar, as most terrorists do when they are attacking, wherever they are attacking, um, this terrorist screamed um, in, in the name of Jesus Christ. So instead of Allahu Akbar, he screamed in the name of Jesus Christ. So the question is, did a Christian terrorist just go on a stabbing spree at a playground in France? And of course, that's tongue in cheek. He was not a Christian terrorist, although he tried to um, take on a Christian identity so that it would then be more likely that he would be able to be um, accepted in France. He was trying to get um, citizenhood or um getting getting papers i'll get into that later but he was trying to get papers in france and he thought as um many migrants do that if they say that they are christian or that they converted to christianity that it will be easier for them to get all kinds of papers in europe that'll make it easier for them to to do things to um go from one country to the other and to do various things that you can only do with these um, kinds of citizenship papers. Okay, I will get into that more. He was not a Christian terrorist. I'll give you the the uh, the end of the story first, but it is it's an amazing story, and it's only you know it is only because of some people who look into these um, you know terrorist experts who look into these things more in more a more detailed way, you know who do the research that we now know more about the story of this man. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show, and we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. 
Each week, Dr. Carol analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Terrorism and its disguises. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. Um, I have gathered here today three uh, news stories that have in common the fact that um, it relates to terrorist terrorism and disguises. So the first story is about the military self-identifying in a way as trans. Um, I'm not saying that the military are terrorists, but the fact that they used this uh, trans person as a recruiting tactic uh, is part of what's resulting in fewer recruits to the military to fight against terrorists. So that's how that comes together. Then the second story is a story about a terrorist who, um, a radical Islamist terrorist, who self-identified as a Christian and went on a stabbing attack in France. The third story is about a, an ISIS bride who self-identified as a fashion blogger now. <laughs> so let's start with let's start with the first one. They are uh, it's important to it's important to see things for how they really are. Um, you know, that is part of the story. Um, terrorism when things aren't how they seem. So, all right, let's start with the military. You may have heard this, although it really hasn't gotten a lot of attention, a lot of publicity. It's kind of been <laughs> kind of been hidden because the um the Navy realized that they made a big mistake. So the story, um part of the story is that a Navy SEAL named Robert O'Neill, who is a decorated combat veteran. He served for eight years as a, meter, as a member of SEAL Team 6, which is the team that took down Osama bin Laden. Now, he is saying, I can't believe I fought for this bullshit. Um, he's not very happy that the Navy is has used um, a drag queen to recruit uh, people into it. So... Robert O'Neill, um, this, and he um, he said, all right, the U.S. Navy is now using an enlisted sailor drag queen as a recruiter. I'm done. China is going to destroy us. Um, the story is, or the, no, it's, not, it's not a fake story, the truth, hard, the hard to believe truth is that um, the Navy um, you know, is, well, all the military, I'll tell you just how much, but the various branches of the military are in trouble in terms of recruitment. And that is not a coincidence when they have been um, promoting a woke agenda. And of course, this is all part of it. Um, promoting a woke agenda, which is not doing very well in terms of getting people to uh, become interested in joining the military. Now, if you think about it, a drag queen, um, and the drag queen in particular that they used was um, Yeoman Second Class Joshua Kelly, a drag um, goes by the name Harpy Daniels. Now, she has a lot of um, and and they decided to use her to reach a population who they don't wouldn't necessarily 
rich on TikTok, people who are her fans. But it's the exact opposite. If you think about it, I mean, do you really have to be a psychiatrist like I am to figure out that people who are thinking of joining the military would be people who um, are proud of their courage, want to feel, you know, proud of, of um, protecting the country, um, proud of their strength, uh, proud of being willing to go under fire to protect the country, and so on and so forth. Not exactly the image that a drag queen portrays. So who is, whoever is figuring out this, uh, these recruitment plans really don't know what they're doing. Um, so, okay, so they, they, Harpy Daniels, she actually um, used to, or maybe still does, uh, entertain on the ships. And um, she, so she announced on TikTok in November that she would be the Navy's first digital ambassador. Um, she, her, she, her journey, she talks about her journey, and it went from performing on board beginning in 2018 and then went on to become an advocate for those who were oppressed for years in the service. In other words, for um, gay and LGBTQ people, plus people um, who she feels were oppressed for years in the service. Um, now, this was a pilot project. It ended in March 2023 um, <laughs> when they realized that it really wasn't uh, doing very well. and. Um, uh, it went from October 2022 to March 2023. It was designed to explore the digital environment to reach a wide range of potential candidates. Um, then, so this liberated Navy SEAL tweeted about this, how outraged he was. And lots of people chimed in and agreed with him. For example, well, first of all, he gained 1.1 million views and thousands of likes and retweets. And so some people said, quote, as a Navy veteran, I am ashamed on behalf of the U.S. Navy. I hope that goes over as well as Bud Light did. Somebody else uh, tweeted in response. This is beyond disturbing. I'm a former military officer, and I just can't believe what our brass is doing. Another one tweeted an insult to every veteran and their families. My dad just rolled over in his grave at Arlington. I'm so glad he didn't have to see this happen. Then there were others who disagreed with the Navy SEAL. Um, the, the um, you know, many of the people compared um, the drag queen to Dylan Mulvaney, who was the trans activist that Bud Light used to advertise uh, on their cans or in their, in their advertising campaign. And of course, that resulted in a PR crisis for their brand and a lot of lost money. Now, it's one thing, you know, if, uh, to be honest, if they lost money or not. Um, I think it was, that's another example, though, of really um, an out-of-touch PR team to think that this would work because similarly, Bud Light, you know, is is associated with macho and, and um, you know, not not um the kind not the kind of people who would be thrilled that Dylan Mulvaney was part of the advertising. Um now uh but the difference is you know the difference between a beer can and recruitment for the military is huge because um you know this is a company losing money. I mean you know I'm sorry and all that but they kind of deserve deserve it if they have a stupid uh such a stupid advertising campaign. But um, but when it has to do with the military, that's a lot more important. And the fact that there should be smarter people um, controlling the campaigns of the military is important, more important than a beer. So now listen to how um, the shortfall of the military, it is really very concerning. The Navy uh, has, has a shortfall members. In other words, they had wanted to recruit at least 6,000 more people, and they haven't. The Army is off by 10,000, and the Air Force is off by 3,400. So, um, 
so you know so how this relates to terrorism is that um with this shortfall in the military all three branches of the military we are in more danger of attack from china from russia from you know all our enemies including terrorists so i think um i wanted everybody to know about this because this is a big concern and it isn't that you know it's not that um, I'm certainly not against gays or lesbians or, you know, LGBTQ in, in general. It's not about that. It's about um, using this kind of activism in the wrong way, um, you know, like trying to thinking that this is going to recruit people into the military. You know, it's it's so difficult to talk about these kinds of things because um you get you get uh, thought of as someone who's a racist or is prejudiced or you know against lgbtq plus um i am i am uh, against the what's happening to our kids as far as um kids being given propaganda and being transitioned into trans and so on without parents being involved in all that but that's a whole different story but it, you know, if to talk about this, to talk about the military um, doing the wrong thing in terms of their uh, their recruiting campaigns is not about having prejudice to LGBTQ plus. So, all right, I'm going to leave that there, and um, I'm going to now talk about the second uh, story, the second news item, which is about um, this this tragic event in France. France is being, well, all of Europe, but especially France, is being overrun by, by migrants. And there are um, so many attacks in all of these countries, France, especially um, Germany and the UK. And it is like every day there are things happening, stabbings, um, uh, you know, just defacing of monuments and things, just all kinds of, of attacks of, of various natures. And um, on June 8th, there was an attack in a playground um, in a southern in eastern southern eastern town of Annecy, which is a tourist hotspot, and it's like the the sweetest uh, place, you know, the calmest place. It has a lake, and the playground was near this lake, and you know, it's the most tranquil place um, that you would want to see, and that's why there are a lot of tourists there and so on. But it's not, it's not. I mean, it's a tourist hotspot, but it's not not in the sense that it's, um, you know that it's it, it the serenity is not spoiled um until <laughs> june 8th of this year when a man asylum seeker went on a stabbing spree now why am i since this is happening all the time in in um europe and and the reason why you know i, I need to start talking more about some of these events that are happening because you do not hear about them in the mainstream media in america and the reason why it's important to hear about them is because this is what is, uh, we are on the verge, America, the West, well, Europe is the West, but America is on the verge of um, the same things happening here that have been happening for years now in Western Europe. And so we do need to be alert, especially with our border. You know, it's both the Southern border and the Northern border there are documented, it has been documented by American um, border patrols that um, people who are coming across, I mean, not only is there an outrageous number of people who are coming across, but people who are coming across are on terror lists, terror watch lists. So the fact that we will soon be, I don't know how long soon is, a year, three years, five years. I don't think it would be, it's going to be more than five years. I would be surprised if it was because um, in addition to the borders being uh, open, open basically, 
Um, we also have imported, the Biden White House has imported um, 80,000 plus Afghans when he um, surrendered in Afghanistan. Now these, a lot of these Afghans are people who helped Americans, but certainly because they really weren't vetted at the time that they joined uh, the planes that were coming to America. You know, there are people in that group um, who did not, who were not helpful to Americans and who will, um, who are likely sympathizers, let's put it that way, likely sympathizers to ISIS um, or well, to Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, terrorist uh, philosophies. So um, these stories of these things that are happening in Europe are horrendous. Um, and we need to be aware of them because, uh, because it's, not, it's not a matter of, oh, you know, that's too bad. I like going to France <laughs> or I like going to London or I like going to Germany. You know, it's too bad that those places have become dangerous now. Uh, it's not just about that. It's about, you know, realizing that we need to do something to make sure that this doesn't happen in America. So um, this story, uh, uh, this stabbing spree in the southeast of France in this um, serene small town, uh, the reason why it is particularly newsworthy is because um, the, the authorities and the media are still saying that, uh, still not acknowledging that this was a terror attack. So, for example, a uh, the question is, did a Christian? Oh, <laughs> I left out the. Instead of saying screaming Allahu Akbar as most terrorists do when they are attacking wherever they are attacking, um, this terrorist screamed um, in in the name of Jesus Christ. So instead of Allahu Akbar, he screamed in the name of Jesus Christ. So the question is, did a Christian terrorist just go on a stabbing spree at a playground in France? And of course, that's tongue in cheek. He was not a Christian terrorist, although he tried to um, take on a Christian identity so that it would then be more likely that he would be able to be um, accepted in France. He was trying to get um, citizenhood or um, getting getting papers. I'll get into that later. But he was trying to get papers in France. And he thought, as uh, um, many migrants do, that if they say that they are Christian or that they converted to Christianity, that it will be easier for them to get all kinds of papers in Europe that'll make it easier for them to, to do things, to um, go from one country to the other and to do various things that you can only do with these um, kinds of citizenship papers. Okay, I will get into that more. He was not a Christian terrorist. I'll give you the, the, uh, the end of the story first, but it is, it's an amazing story. And it's only, you know, it is only because of some people who look into these, um, you know, terrorist experts who look into these things more in more, a more detailed way you know, who do the research that we now know more about the story of this man. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show, and we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about terrorism and its disguise. So this story is about a woman, um, a, a, an ISIS bride, who is now trying to disguise herself, basically, as a fashion blogger. Um but before I get into that, I want to just say um, my 
in case I've created an uproar, not that I, I usually create uproars. So, um, but I just want to say, uh, you know, and I can't assume that you have been listening to all of my other podcasts where I have talked about this, but I, my family uh, are immigrants, were immigrants when they came to the United States um, years ago, my grandparents, and um, they came from Russia and Austria and Poland. And, but when they, the difference is that when they came to the United States, they worked their tushies off <laughs> and, um, and did not, you know, depend upon any kind of welfare, um, but, you know, uh, did not expect to be uh, supported by welfare for the whole time that they are in America. So I'm I'm just um just putting putting that in there. And I, you know, I think it's great when people whatever come here and with the idea of following the American dream and working their tushies off. <laughs> okay. So, um now we get to the fashion blogger. So, um Tarina Shaquille, that is her name. And she is a Muslim who was living a perfectly normal Muslim life. Um, and, and let me give another little caveat here. Um, again, it came before in, in prior podcasts, but not all Muslims are terrorists and not all terrorists are Muslims. Just let me put it out there. Anyway, Tarina Shaquille was a Muslim and she was living in the UK. And when she was 26 years old, she decided to leave for Syria to join ISIS. Now, um, she knew already, now a lot of times people who do this, women who Middle East countries to join ISIS or Al-Qaeda or you know, some terrorist organization, um, a lot, most of the time they are younger. Because and they are, you know, for for various reasons, they um, decide to leave. Uh, and in, in, this has happened in America too. Um, it's happened in all. It's happened in France. It's happened in all different countries. Um, and they get, you know, it's for various reasons. Sometimes it's because their parents are, you know, they feel that their parents are keeping too tight a leash on them. Um, they, you know, they're not allowed to do things that they want to do, or sometimes um, they, most of the time it has to do with their feeling as though they're not getting enough attention from guys, you know, they don't have a boyfriend. And um, the terrorist organizations are not stupid, as I have said many times before, um, as well, as part of it, <laughs> as opposed to the Navy, which I just described but um, the terrorist organizations um, have their best looking guys uh, go online and recruit women, you know, and, and promise to marry women when they get there um, and, and all kinds of things like that. And, you know, um, when you're feeling unloved, you're feeling like, you know, you're not, you're not, you haven't been successful with guys yet. Um, it is tempting to think that you'll go anywhere to get love. So, okay, this is what happened with this woman, with Tarina. She, even though, you know, she was 26 years old and she, um, uh, she went because her marriage was falling apart. Um, but she, at 26 years old, she knew, and living as a Muslim in the UK, she knew what ISIS was all about. And she she knew that ISIS um, she knew about ISIS's brutality. Um, she she had seen their propaganda videos with the beheadings of American journalists and British aid workers. Um, and her excuse for this, when when she was finally caught, her excuse was it's her explanation of why she went anyway to join ISIS. She said it's not something I'm happy about now. Looking back. But at the time, the only thing I can say is that, you know, I was far from the vet best version of time. Well, that's what anybody can say about something bad that they did. Oh, that wasn't my best self. 
And that's not really uh, a good enough excuse to be forgiven. Now, her journey to ISIS started as a result of her unhappiness with her first husband. Um, he was a conservative Muslim, and he wanted her to dress, dress modestly and stop using social media. She says it wasn't a particularly happy marriage. And yet she went off to join the most reactionary of all Muslims, um, the fanatics of ISIS. Uh, it really, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. But she just wanted another guy. She wanted a man to love her. And she, uh, and, you know, of course, as you'll see, if you think about it, this, her husband had wanted her to dress modestly and not use social media. So what is she doing now? Opposite. She's trying to be a fashion icon on social media. Um, okay, so shortly after her their, their son's birth, she and her husband had a child, and, and her husband went to Yemen, and he threatened to stay there and marry another woman and establish a new life. So <laughs> she started um, communicating on Facebook with this man, Fabio, his name is Fabio yet. wonder if that's his real name or if they named him that because, you know, Fabio was the um, man who was on most of the covers of romance no uh, novels for years. I don't know that he still is doing that, but I don't think so. But he's on so many uh, romance, you know, paperbacks. Um, <laughs> it's hard to believe that's really his, his name. But in any case, he was very cute. And... Um, he was an ISIS fighter in Syria, or so he said. Uh, and she she agrees, yeah, he was attractive. So within weeks of her communicating with Fabio online, she posted an ISIS flag on her Twitter and Facebook profiles. Then she took her toddler son. A to can you imagine? She, she was so desperate. She took her toddler son with her to Turkey. I mean, not the place you want to bring your toddler son. And she went to a city near the Syrian border and she called a phone number that Fabio had given her. I mean, this, this is sounding like a, uh, a, a paperback romance, but it does not end happily like the paperback romances do. She didn't live happily ever after with Fabio. <laughs> that is a spoiler alert. Um, so she called this number that Fabio gave her and a van came and took her to a deserted patch of land. I mean, like, hello, lady. <laughs> Didn't you get the <laughs> Didn't you figure it out earlier on that this was not going to end in um, going off into the sunset with Fabio? But no, she kept going. Um, she was told to run uh, to a white truck that was waiting on the Syrian side. So that's what she did. She, you know, the the uh, the van took her to the to the border uh, between Turkey and Syria, and she was told to run to this white truck waiting on the Syrian side, and so that's what she did. Her toddler in tow. Um, then let's see. So it it was the siren sex song of Fabio that got her to do all these crazy things. Um, so. She, you know, she knew about the mass rapes of Yazidi women and girls, but that didn't make her change her mind. She knew about the mass killings of Yazidi men and Shiite believers and Christians and the insufficiently fanatical Sunnis by ISIS. And, but that didn't stop her. Um, she did, wasn't stopped by the ISIS people waving their rifles and Allahu Akbaring. And after their latest massacre. And in the end, um, so none of these things dissuaded her from going <laughs> as quick as she could to Fabio. Um, she has since then, she has never, even when she's now back in the UK, she's never expressed remorse for joining ISIS or trying to persuade um, others to do so. She simply says that she made the wrong choices. She looked, she joined ISIS looking for a husband and she found one, not, not Fabio. Um, when she got there, I mean, surprise, surprise, when she got there, 
she found herself with a lot of other women who were looking for cute um, ISIS husbands. And um, she met an ISIS matchmaker. And the ISIS matchmaker didn't match her with Fabio. Uh, she, they ma- she matched her to an American convert to Islam and an, an ISIS fighter, you know, he, an American who, was, who went over there to become an ISIS fighter and who converted to Islam. And his name was Russell Davison. And he was killed soon after in an American airstrike. Um, when she got back to the UK, she claimed that she didn't marry him. She tried to say that, like, she didn't have, uh, she didn't have, like, a legal marriage or a formal marriage. But um, they, but then they found evidence that that marriage did happen. And so, you know, they found out that she was lying. Um, but the marriage was over when he died in any case, and, um, he wasn't nearly as handsome as Fabio. So she didn't really care him. Uh, after three months, she decided she had had enough. No Fabio. She, she's going home or she's trying to, she left the camp in Syria, um, with her toddler and she was, and she made it somehow to Turkey and then eventually to the UK. Now she doesn't, you know, she, she probably doesn't realize how lucky she is because many women do not make it back. Um, so she didn't get to marry Fabio and because it was hard to take care of her 14 month old baby in these primitive conditions and, um, and she perhaps realized that this was just, um, you know, a fake, that Fabio was a fake. He was just a recruiter. And um, his, you know, he was luring lots of uh, girls and women living in the UK and elsewhere to join ISIS in Syria. Now, when she got back to the UK, um, she first claimed that she had been kidnapped and taken to Syria against her will. And then, of course, it was discovered that that was another lie. She had joined ISIS um, on on her own. That was her own desire to become an ISIS bride. So she was put on trial for joining ISIS. And um, that wasn't all that she was charged with, though, because once she was in Syria, she actually worked for ISIS by trying on social media to persuade other women to leave the UK and join ISIS as she had done and commit acts of terrorism. So she became a recruiter too. She was sentenced to six years in prison. Now, some reports say that she spent six years in prison. Others say that she spent three years in prison and then three years on parole. Um. So now she's in her mid-30s, and she is trying for a career change. (laughs) She wants to be the next big thing in the online fashion spaces. She was released from prison in 2019. She's given numerous television interviews, and um, there were photos of her with AK-47s when she was in her ISIS bride mode. when she, when she was, I watched one of these uh, television interviews of her. It, it's really amazing because, um, you know, she's, she was asked, uh, she was, she talks about how shocked she was that she was put in prison. Um, she said that she was told by, I don't know who, that she wouldn't be in any trouble when she came home. And then when she got to the UK, she was arrested and put in prison. And she was so shocked at that. Um, So uh, let's see. So there were those. So on the television show, they asked her about, you know, you had photos of, there were photos of yourself um, standing next to an AK-47, you know, being an ISIS bride, being a member of ISIS, really working for ISIS to recruit. 
And um, were you, you know, were you shocked that and you were put in prison after you were doing things like that? And she has this sort of naive um, presence, you know, saying, well, you know, they told me it would be okay. Oh, God, uh, I guess that's the same naivete or pretend naivete that she had when she went there in the first place to marry Fabio. Um, uh, so let's see. She tried to say that they made her do it. They made her stand with the AK-47, but apparently she was smiling in a very happy way. So it didn't really look like she was being forced to stand like that. She still tries to present herself as a victim. And um, so now she wants to change her, her um, you know, how she is perceived and, by, and wants to become this fashion influencer. And she posts um, her, herself online under that girl, Tam Tam, because um, because, uh, her, because, you know, her name is Tarina Shaquille. So somehow she gets Tam Tam from that. And she says that she's um, trying to be an inspiration and give people outfit ideas. And uh, she also, now, I don't know how, I don't can't explain this. It, I think that um, it would seem to me that there has to be somebody supporting her here. But on her social media, she not only posts fashions, but she posts videos of her travels across the globe. Now, where she is getting the money to travel across the globe has not been made clear. Um, she wants a company to hire her to be their influencer. And maybe, you know, maybe the show, the clothes that she is wearing, um, maybe it is brands, although that hasn't been clear. Um, but, you know, just like <laughs> Meghan Markle wants Dior, that was the news this weekend, um, she is hoping that, or she even put it out, that she's going to be the new face of Dior. She's going to model their clothes. So maybe it's not that crazy that um, this Tam Tam <laughs> is hoping for brands to promote their clothes. Um, so I don't know, you know, who, where she's getting her money from, but I think she's up, she's still up to no good. Um, so let's see, like there are, there are different photographs of her. You can find her online. There's the photograph, her mugshot, when she first got back to the UK. Um, she does not look like a fashion model. She And she does not look happy. She has this really annoyed look on her face, which is very different from the look that she has when she is standing next to the AK-47. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh Let's see. She went to the UK in, in 2014. And um, let's see. So the, the six years of prison time, um, two years for four years for joining ISIS and two years for encouraging commit acts of terror via social media posts. Uh, and also, she was made to undergo a de-radicalization program. Now, I am not sure that this de-radicalization program took um, because it really does not seem like she, you know, she doesn't have any regret for what she did. So I hope that they are watching her and that she doesn't get lost in between the cracks like many other terrorists do. I mean, there, there are pictures of her with the AK-47. She's smiling. She has this, you know, it's not just smiling like a hat, like being like being happy, but it's kind of like a sneaky smile, like a cat that ate the canary smile. And um, so I think, I don't think that people, that the government, that the UK government should stop watching her. She has photos of her jet set lifestyle in hotspots such as Milan, Barcelona, and Morocco. Perhaps she is, um, perhaps she has found men, um, not necessarily um, Fabio, Fabio, 
but perhaps she has found men to support her her jet set lifestyle. In any case, um, I would suggest to these men that they not trust her, uh, not just in terms of terrorism, but in terms of um, who she really is. It seems like she's a chameleon and could be, um, you know, and lies when it's in her best interest or when she thinks it's in her best interest. Anyhow, that is the end of my terrorism and disguises seg um, uh, show. I mean, the this, this particular show, I will find more for you. I love to do the kinds of things that... Um, that people that you will not hear in the mainstream media. And I can assure you that you will not hear some, it will be, it will, they are not in, um, you are not likely to have heard any of these three stories that I just talked about in the mainstream media. But if you look for them online, you can find them. All right. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show, and I'm your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.